Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Michael Wald, and thanks again for joining me on Ask the Blood Detective. For those of you new to the show, this is a show that is geared towards teaching you how to think differently, how to think more like a blood detective. And as I've said on prior shows, in order to think that way, and by the way, why would we want to think as a blood detective? Because if you think in a, in a particular way, and then you're exposed to, let's say, information about your health, uh, information about uh, uh, vitamins or minerals or anything else you might be uh, researching, you can superimpose that information on top of a mindset of blood detective. The blood detective mindset is always asking, why do I need this? Is this correct for me? How do I take it? How do I determine if what it is I want to do, whether it's a diet or a, or a lifestyle plan or nutritional supplements are exactly right for me or as close to being exact for me as possible? The average individual, and I've seen many of these people, come to see me over my 30 plus years in practice and they have no clue whatsoever about determining whether or not what they're doing is really correct other than the most common reason for a person or a patient that comes to see me that had to do with why they're doing a thing for their health has to do with what they may have heard about what other people did, maybe a friend or worse yet, what they may have read on social media or Facebook in particular. I get a lot of that. And as I've said on a prior show as well, I actually collected statements from Facebook on the Facebook cancer pages and the special needs pages and other types of health-related pages. And the majority of the information on these pages that people themselves are putting up are completely wrong, are extremely harmful, most of them, and uh, just inappropriate. When I challenge certain people on Facebook with things that they said, what happens pretty much every time is the same. The person gets immediately defensive and nasty. Now, I would then challenge them again saying, you know, I'm simply trying to point out what I know over my 30 year period and over my various degrees that this statement that you made is wrong in these ways. But I find that once again, the average individual who does not think with the right mindset, for example, in the blood detective mindset, has no reference to uh, draw upon when making or trying to make smart healthcare decisions. So what I plan on doing in this show is to expose yet more errors of individuals and how many of the nutritional supplements that they take are wrong and why. So you could know it too, not merely by accepting my belief about why this supplement or combination of ingredients are wrong, but it'll be so obvious to you once I say this that you'll wonder why you were taking certain things yourself or why you were taking certain things in the way you were taking things. One other comment about my um, view of Facebook, and I don't mean to single out Facebook, but it is a predominant source of misinformation in the health industries when you specifically go to the top 10 chronic disease Facebook sites. So the point here is this. You, and I'm talking to you, everyone listening, you must be different because what I see in real life as a result of this misinformation and this defensiveness that comes up is lack of results, even shortened lifespans, when people could have been doing things correctly. Now, this audience is different than the Facebook audience because if you've been listening to this show or other shows on this network, you clearly have a more grounded base of knowledge. But I suspect that even some of you may be missing some key concepts simply because nutrition and natural health may not be what you do for a living like it is for me. So this isn't to say that uh, you are not intelligent or that you do not know how to make rational decisions when faced with multiple choices. But this show is about making the best decisions for you so that you do not have to rely completely upon your healthcare providers, particularly if those healthcare providers 
are not holistically minded. And I will go another step and tell you that even colleagues of mine are guilty of not having an adequate base of knowledge when providing healthcare services to some of their patients. So choosing a healthcare provider, I guess, is like choosing a, a dentist or a, or a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or any other type of healthcare provider. Sometimes you have to go through several individuals to find one that's right for you. But you cannot just go upon your emotional feelings that this is a nice person, this practitioner is nice. Um, you know, I'm nice as well, but I might uh, be an idiot. Uh, my point is, you would wanna meet with these individuals and interview them. This is why I always provide a no-cost 15-minute phone session uh, to anyone who's interested in seeing me so that, number one, they can determine if I'm the right person for them, if I give them some insights that make sense to them that they haven't heard before or haven't heard in, the, in a particular way that made all the difference, then there, then there may be a problem. And also on the reverse end, I provide these 15-minute conversations so I can see whether or not the person I'm speaking to is the right fit for my practice or whether or not I should refer them somewhere else. Or sometimes I can just make a a couple of suggestions off the top of my head that I believe the person should try that just might do the trick with their health concerns. So my point here is that we need to be the best that we can be intellectually speaking when choosing our health and, and choosing various uh, modalities that we want to use or are considering for our health because without health, we have nothing. So this is extremely important for me to relay this message to you. So for those of you who don't know me, just a quick introduction. I'm your host of Ask the Blood Detective. My name is Dr. Michael Wald, and I've been practicing for just a bit over 30 years in the holistic healthcare fields. I've uh, published several textbooks uh, and other books, including the Anti-Aging Encyclopedia of Laboratory Tests, which is a 500-page laboratory textbook on how to interpret blood work for nutritional and medical meaning. So I do know that topic, and I probably know it better than most, because when you write a book of that length and all the years it takes to do that, it makes you an expert. So the point is, that would be an example of a quality or a level of knowledge of a practitioner, in my case, the book, that might substantiate some level of um, expertise that makes sense to you. If you speak with a practitioner and uh, maybe they've not published anything, maybe they don't lecture like I do, for example, in other words, you need some sort of criteria. I have done radio shows on how to choose a healthcare provider. You might go to my website at drmichaelwald.com, drmichaelwald.com, and search the search bar on the homepage, and there uh, search for uh, how to find a healthcare provider or any of the other topics that you're interested in. And if you don't find what you're looking for, just email me through the website and I'll send you a link. Because uh, again, you, you must have some sort of help if you want to do supplementation correctly. There's just no way an individual can do that alone. One of the reasons is because you cannot draw your own blood or order specific tests that let me know or let you know about your vitamin levels, vitamin use, uh, absorption, those things alone are critical right off, right out of the gate. So even if you have all the knowledge in the world about nutrition, you must apply it to you as individually and in the most personalized and holistic way possible. I wanna define the word holistic for a moment in brief, before we go any further. Holistic, as most of you are aware, refers to, when it comes to the body and health, looking at the body as a whole. Now, beyond just semantics and words, how would one look at the body as a whole? Have you ever really been looked at as a whole? Well, if I wanted to manage your nutrition for your body as a whole, there's one test I must know 
before I can do anything of real value for you in order to treat you holistically beyond just a bunch of words saying holistically. And that would be, can you guess? A test of absorption. Do you absorb? Are you malabsorbing? That's number one, because remember, you're not what you eat. You never were what you eat. You are what you absorb and what your body utilizes. Today's conversation also will include, very soon actually, examples of poor nutritional compounds in nutritional supplements that you want to watch out for and how consuming these particular forms, inferior forms of nutritional supplements can not only cause you harm, but again, can waste precious time uh, to build your health. So as far as nutritional supplements, do you need them? Yes, you do need them because even with the best diet, you can only eat so much. When it comes to needing concentrated forms or higher levels of certain nutrients to deal with life's stressors, uh, thank goodness we do have nutritional supplements. You know, for years there was this debate, is our food choices better than supplement choices? And they would pit it against one another when we don't have to do that. We can use nutritional supplements and an ideal diet. And in that way, you'll maximize your health potential. So when taking nutritional supplements in the first place, you need to consider a few things. Your age may make a difference as you grow older. There's more and more malabsorption. There's more and more inflammation. There's more and more uh, lean body mass breakdown. Uh, there is a decay of, of, and decline of various hormones. Those are just some of the changes that happen as we age, regardless of our best efforts. So these problems I just mentioned and others, they're not avoidable, but they are delayable. You can delay them. And you want to delay the onset of chronic disease, obviously, as long as possible, so that you live longer during what I call the non-disability stages of life. So you might live longer in years if you take proper care of yourself, but just as importantly, I would think, you wanna live longer and better. So factors, again, that a, a good practitioner who you work with would, would factor in, in terms of figuring this out, as I mentioned, is age. It's also your stress levels, not just psychological stress, but physical stress, the stress of aging, the stress of disease, the stress of repair. And then there's psychological stress. Most people just think of stress when I say that as sort of like tension in their lives. It's so much more than that. Although the emotional stress response is in and of itself a killer. Many of us are in a chronic stress response. You may not feel stressed, quote, end quote, but your diseases and your lack of healing and the persistence of some of your health problems are a sign of that degenerative stress of the body and a, a worn out or exhausted stress response. Exercise matters. If you do not exercise well enough, you will increase your nutritional needs because you have increased breakdown in the body. If you exercise adequately or on a very high level, you will still need nutritional supplements and the proper diet to manage the stress of exercise if you want any uh, real health growth from the exercise, if you want to accomplish what it is you're exercising for. That's another area that's, I think, uh, underappreciated when I speak with my patients for the first time I will say, yes, we're going to talk about exercise, and they'll say, oh, I, I, I exercise. And I ask them what they do, and either the exercises or the exercise routine is just completely off, or it's not uh, sequenced properly, or it's not intense enough, or it's not long enough, or it's too short, uh, or it's not specific for like their health goals. So for example, if you want to lose weight, it's fine to lift weights and gain muscle and sculpt your body. I'm certainly uh, interested in looking good myself, so it makes me feel good. So I do that. But if you want to lose weight and you want to increase your, let's say, your aerobic capacity, particularly in a COVID world where this virus goes for the lungs and uh, causes these deleterious effects upon the lungs, the better your lung function, the better you will fare against a viral insult or any other infectious insult that attacks the lungs. So if you want to do 
aerobic capacity training, you must do aerobics. Weights won't do it. That's just an example of the wrong type of exercise for the wrong thing. Uh, and I find that most people, again, are just, they don't seem to know what to do right in this area. Your age, your level of disability, your health goals, all of this matters in terms of the type of exercise you do. You might be on a special diet. Maybe you're on a plant-based diet. Maybe you're on a vegetarian diet. Maybe you're on a macro diet. Maybe you're on a keto diet. Whatever the food plan you're on, it almost always will need complementary nutrition. So I'm working with two particular patients, a husband and a wife at the present moment, and they both have uh, very um, strong wills. They, when they decide to do a thing, they really do it, and they do it right. And they both began a ketogenic diet, and they ate the way that they ate to try to increase their ketones, and they did. Uh, and they really didn't lose much weight at all. Uh, my point, though, is that that particular plan didn't work for them, even though they did the best that they could do on it. When I put them on a plant-based diet, what happened was weight loss started to happen, but I complemented the plant-based diet with nutritional supplements because a plant-based diet in and of itself is not ketogenic. But if I add medium-chain triglyceride oil to that diet and raspberry ketones, for example, and if I throw in omega-3 fatty acids, all of these things increase metabolic rate, uh, and then they successfully began to lose weight. So we wanna think that our food plan should be doable, it should be fundamentally healthy, like a plant-based diet, and then we complement it with the other foods that fall within that plant-based diet, and also the nutritional supplements that can help make up for deficiencies of a plant-based diet. So for example, if you want to build muscle, uh, the plant-based diet will not work. It just doesn't have enough protein. I'm oversimplifying, but that's pretty straightforward right there. So every food plan you do should be something you can do for the rest of your life. It shouldn't be some short thing that then you stop and then all hell breaks loose with your, with your health. You might have some other disease that requires that you change your diet and again, change nutritional supplements to match. The importance of, 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 of this area, I, I can't overstate because people tend to look at the diet in a disjointed way from the supplementation and the exercise and other lifestyle factors. So we're gonna talk about how to clarify the foods you're eating with the right supplementation. Maybe, what, what if you have a blood test and it shows no nutritional deficiencies? Could you still benefit by taking nutritional supplements? The answer is yes, depending on the circumstances and depending on the nutritional supplement. So a person, for example, might have a normal magnesium level, but they still have hypertension. But if you give them more magnesium and have their blood work have high levels of magnesium, Oftentimes that will cause low, a lowering of the blood pressure. So then it's more the magnesium level in the blood than the average individual. So when I say it that way, I hope you would understand that blood work that you're being compared to, and I've said this many times before on Ask the Blood Detective shows, is based on average people who are seemingly healthy. So for you to get benefits with levels of nutrients higher than average shouldn't be that uh, surprising because you're not average. You have other things going on. Just like we know if a woman, an average woman, whatever that is, uh, became pregnant, her nutritional needs over the course of her pregnancy are going to change. She will have an increased need for healthy fats, an increased need for protein. Uh, she'll have an increased need possibly for iron, uh, things of that nature. And then if you do have laboratory tests done and they actually show deficiencies of nutrients, should you always supplement? And how, do you, how much do you take? So I'll give you a quick response for that and then I'll hit on this area a little bit more throughout the, the talk today. Is that if a blood test is showing that you are lacking a nutrient and you take that nutrient, it may not help you. So for example, if you have a low level of B6, vitamin B6, that's involved in lots of pathways in the body. 
Uh, and let's say you're using it uh, to manage, let's use the example I said before, uh, blood pressure. If you fix the B6 level, that might not help your blood pressure, even though in the textbooks it says it should. You might need to take that B6 with a specific type of magnesium together a few times a day for that to have the impact that you want on your blood pressure. So what this all comes down to from a testing point of view is that it's always a combination of, at least the way I do it, of questioning my patients about their health concerns, going over their goals and their um, medications and their lifestyle and their diet, of course, and the supplements they're taking, any medications, in as much detail as possible, and then developing a doable plan that requires the least amount of added nutritional supplements, but at least the correct ones. So if you guys out there, if you're taking even a single nutritional supplement per day and uh, you think that's harmless or you think it's giving you benefit, why don't you actually find out if it is? Because if it's not, you may want to stop taking that. Or we might find out that it's, it's actually hurting you. So there's a lot to consider, it's true. But I think if you think about this a bit more, you'll see that what I'm saying makes sense. So we're gonna talk about right now the biggest, I'm gonna give you about five or six different biggest supplement mistakes in terms of nutritional ingredients and supplements that are wrong overall, or they may be wrong or right for you depending on your needs. So the first example of that would be, let's say calcium. So we know that we need calcium for strong bones. Calcium is needed for nervous system health. Calcium uh, helps control uh, blood clotting in the body. And um, calcium tends to follow inflammation. So if you have inflammation in your breast tissue, calcium will get sucked up there and cause calcium cysts, which could increase breast cancer risk. If there's inflammation in your prostate, guys, then calcium may go down there and they'll find calcium down there as well. That's part of a, a disease process happening. If there's inflammation happening in your arteries, which if you're anyone on this planet that's happening, calcium is slowly accumulating following the inflammation on the inside of those arterial walls causing ar arterial sclerosis or hardening of the arteries. So if you are over 50, you're gonna want a type of a calcium uh, that you give along with stomach acid as long as you don't have ulcers or esophagitis or gastritis. So you see how I said you want to take this, but if you have these problems, then don't. This is how nutrition should be individually based. If you're over 50, you have little or no stomach acid left, but you need stomach acid to activate calcium the stomach acid ionizes the calcium and ionized calcium knows where to go in the body. But if you have low stomach acid, which means you're malabsorbing and you take calcium, it can accumulate causing all sorts of serious problems like those I just said before and many others. So for those of you under 50 in general, you may not need a stomach acid with your calcium, but probably you would want either calcium citrate or a hydroxyapatite, which is a bone meal, which contains countless, hundreds probably, uh, compounds for bone health, not merely calcium. This is why governmental standards for calcium have reduced the recommended daily allowance of calcium because it's been too high, causing a lot of problems of hypercalcemia. So your age certainly matters, whether or not you absorb or not matters, and how you combine nutrients matters. We just figured that out with that one example of stomach acid and calcium. I had a patient who brought in his nutritional supplements and I looked them over and I typed out for him some short but concise reasons why his supplements are inadequate for the health goals that we wanna reach. So for example, he was taking vitamin B12. Now we know that vitamin B12 is a B vitamin. We know that it is used in a variety of metabolic reactions in the body. It's got a historical 
reputation of helping memory, and there is evidence for that. It helps energy production, and it also lowers a toxic amino acid called homocysteine. That high levels of this toxic amino acid homocysteine are related to dozens upon dozens of diseases. But this person's B12 was in the form of cyanocobalamin or cyanocobalamin. That's a form of B12 that has to go through several steps before it's activated enough in the body to do any good, with some exceptions. So generally speaking, most of us would probably benefit from methylcobalamin, not cyanocobalamin. And then there's adenosylcobalamin, um, which is another form which is better than the cyanocobalamin, but the methyl is probably best for most, most people because methylation is a process in the body of repair of DNA and other types of repairs. If you are someone who has any chronic health problem, and certainly if you're 50 and older, you probably do not methylate normally. So if you take B12 in the form of cyanocobalamin and not the methylated form, the body is going to stress to try to methylate that cyanocobalamin. But if you take the methylated form to begin with, it doesn't have to stress that and it will be utilized in the body. So when you have B12, let's say it's a, B12 is, is found in meat products, for example. And if you eat meat and your stomach acid breaks down that meat, it, the stomach acid breaks or cleaves the B12 from the protein. So then you've got this free B12 that then goes to the small intestine and then gets activated. But if the activation doesn't happen or the stomach acid is not adequate enough, then you can see you're simply not what you eat because you wouldn't be absorbing B12 um, unless you activated it and, and also absorbed it. So activation and absorption are different things. Absorption refers to eating something and having the stomach acids and enzymes of the small intestine act upon whatever it is you're eating, whether it's a supplement or foods. And then the potential there is for that supplement, once it's absorbed, to be activated. So methylcobalamin activation from cyanocobalamin, uh, calcium uh, from non-ionized calcium to ionized calcium. I did do a show called Nutrient Activation, which you can search for on my website, which again is uh, drmichaelwald.com. And if you have questions for me about this show or anything else you see on my website, you can email me personally at info at blooddetective.com. That's with two Ds, blood and detective, one word, dot com. You could call me as well if you wanted to see me, or you can email me at 914-552-1442. I'm looking at the list of the supplements that I received from this gentleman that I told you I reviewed his supplements. And in addition to inadequate B12, he was taking a, a digest formulation that simply did not have any value. It showed some enzymes in it, but it didn't even give the active units of potency, which are, are standardized units uh, so it's really just garbage. We cannot mess around with supplementation that has to do with improving our absorption, again, because it's so fundamental for everything else to work. So the types of must have standardized ingredients. So if you were to look up my digestive enzyme product, for example, on blooddetective.com, uh, you'll see the different units uh, regarding the amount per serving of the uh, protein, starch, and fat-digesting enzymes, and as well as the uh, acid products and other coenzyme factors. And they must be standardized because if they're not standardized, when you increase or decrease them to find out how much you actually need, you just won't know. If a company just does not show you standardization of their supplementation on the label, then that's a, that's a sign that you wanna walk away from that particular supplement for the reasons I just stated. And again, the same with calcium and the, and the same with uh, vitamin B12. The best test, by the way, for B12 is not a blood test showing a level. 
I said this before in other shows, but lots of people ask me to do blood vitamin levels, but they don't realize that vitamin levels in the blood are not necessarily accurate. Most of the, of the vitamins checked in the blood only represent the last three to five days of intake of that vitamin from foods or supplements. So for example, if I look at a red blood cell under a microscope, the size of the red blood cell, if it's too large, and assuming the patient's not on chemotherapy and the patient doesn't have cholesterol of 300 or greater, a large red blood cell under the scope means that they are deficient or they are insufficient in terms of levels of B12, B6, folic acid, vitamin C, E, and B1, roughly in that order. Do you notice how I said a large cell means this when there is no high cholesterol, there's no chemotherapy? This is another example of the individuality among individuals that has to be addressed to figure out even what lab tests actually mean. So another common example I see is some people have high levels of B6 or B12, let's say, uh, in their blood. And the doctor says, well, stop taking those nutrients because your levels are toxic. Those are not toxic levels, particularly of those nutrients, but they are high levels in the blood. Since those nutrients affect the size of a red blood cell, if they're high in the blood, the red blood cell, if it is large, could be large because the nutrients are not getting into the cell but is staying in the blood, or what's called the plasma, around the cell. I know that's a bit of a difficult concept there. It is to most cardiologists and oncologists who both need to know what I just said. Basically, if you think of a circle on the ground, let's say, and around that circle is the plasma and it's high in any nutrient. And the red blood cell is in in that circle and it's larger. It's larger because it's screaming, notice me, notice me. I need to get those nutrients inside, not high in the plasma around me, okay? So tests must be read by people who know what they're doing. Next, I'm looking at his formula again of that gentleman who provided me with a big, huge bag of supplements. And he had something called biotoxin binder. And this supplement was purporting to somehow detoxify toxins and uh, or biotoxins and there was nothing in the product that could do that so obviously i told him that that supplement was completely useless now if he didn't believe me or wanted more information i certainly don't take offense to that i would say go back to the company and ask them for a full disclosure label a full disclosure label will let you know if and what is in those vitamins. You want that full disclosure label to show standardization. You want it to show that there are no toxic metals or, in, or uh, candida in supplementation, which is true for a lot of herbs, okay? And this gentleman was taking magnesium glycinate and the that particular form of magnesium is not the best form if you wanted, let's say, to uh, encourage a more frequent bowel movements. Uh, Glycinate is just not the best form for that. He would want a citrate form. He was also taking a vitamin C product. And again, all of these issues that I'm I'm exposing to you, you might find that these are issues with the very supplements that you're taking now. So he's also taking vitamin C, as I mentioned, and the vitamin C he was taking was not fully buffered When you take vitamin C, you're usually taking it because you want to improve your health in general, maybe reduce cataracts, eye issues, hardening the arteries. Uh, You want to exercise your intestinal tract because vitamin C does exercise the colonic muscles, the two layers of muscles in the colon to, to enhance bowel movements. Uh, And I've said vitamin C uh, also uh, plays a role in over 3,000 different enzymatic reactions. And enzymes, for some of you who may not know, are structures, compounds in the body that move metabolic pathways. And in general, this is just a generalization, if you have sluggish or interrupted metabolic pathways, lots of health issues uh, will result from that because 
your cells change and do things and repair because of metabolic pathways within those cells or within the rest of the body that then play upon those cells. Okay, just a quick recap before we continue. For those of you also just joining us, thank you for being here today. Uh, we're talking about mistakes made with nutritional supplements and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. If you have questions about the show, send them to me at info at blooddetective.com. And you can also reach me if you want a phone or Zoom consultation as a patient at 914-552-1442. So the vitamin C, first of all, if you have a test in your blood called G6PD, and if that test is positive, you cannot take vitamin C in a supplement form. If you take it, you can cause serious disruption of your red blood cells. It's called a hemolytic anemia. The vitamin C buffered uh, formulation that I would suggest for people should contain in one scoop uh, about 2,300 milligrams of vitamin C, but it needs to be combined with specific ratios of calcium magnesium and potassium in order to fully buffer the vitamin C because the buffered C is the best oral form to take, again, with few exceptions. So I mentioned that the vitamin C dose itself should be about 2,350 actually milligrams, and then the calcium and the magnesium content uh, should be 350 milligrams each. The calcium needs to be in a calcium carbonate USP designation, and the magnesium also 350 milligrams of magnesium carbonate, USP. USP stands for the, these are the standard units that are universally recognized uh, to be the proper uh, units when discussing nutritional supplements. And there is a quality control connected to the use of USP. A company cannot just use USP if they do not uh, meet those criteria. And the potassium, the final buffering agent in a buffered vitamin C should be 99 milligrams of potassium gluconate USP. So I'll repeat that really quickly. Vitamin C should be 2,350 milligrams of USP, ascorbic acid, and then calcium carbonate USP, 350 milligrams, a magnesium carbonate USP of 350, and potassium as potassium gluconate, 99 milligrams. And that should be in a powdered form um, to read more about that, again, you can go to blooddetective.com and just look up the supplement because I also give all of the references uh, for the use of this particular formulation. Uh, well, actually, the formulation's ingredients in studies and those benefits. It's very important that you have, and also that I have, a solid baseline of reliable information to draw from when making such choices about supplementation. And then there's uh, vitamin D. So vitamin D3 is obviously an essential nutrient for almost everyone. There's again, there's that word almost again because there are reasons why certain people shouldn't take vitamin D. If your vitamin D levels are elevated, that would be an indication not to in the, in the case of vitamin D3, which is a fat-soluble vitamin. And also, if you have any issues in your past that suggest that you might have a parathyroid issue, or a high parathyroid function, which causes high calcium, which can create all kinds of problems in the body. And vitamin D would only worsen that because vitamin D increases uh, calcium levels. Um, so hopefully, if you should work with a qualified healthcare provider that understands laboratory, they would know whether or not you should be taking a supplement like vitamin D, which when you think about it, and given the attention it's received, not just in the media, but in the nutritional and medical literature, that how could anyone not benefit? There are many people that will not benefit, and there are, in fact, many people who will be hurt from it. So super important to realize that there are individual you know, variations among people. But for the vitamin uh, D3, you ideally would want to have your blood work checked, and then the normal ranges of D3 are about 33 to 100 and uh, you wanna be 70 to 90. That's the optimal levels. Anything greater than 33 is either minimal or if you reach about a 50, that would be average. So you wanna be more than average because you're not average. 
Uh, and we know that the higher normal your vitamin D level, the lower your overall risk of morbidity and mortality, which means the higher normal your vitamin D, you should be able to stave off various degenerative diseases um, better and longer than others, and um, you have, should have a better quality of life. So that's the morbidity and mortality uh, connection, not just the vitamin D, but a lot of the supplements that I'm speaking about, if taken correctly. And then um, this gentleman in his bag of goodies had uh, zinc gluconate. So zinc gluconate is almost entirely ineffective for any systemic issue that requires zinc. Zinc gluconate is usually the form in zinc lozenges, and zinc lozenges are quite effective for local issues in the throat. But this gentleman thought that that somehow the gluconate form was, was benefiting him. And many people report to me that, yeah, once they've started to take their vitamins, they feel better. Um, it's possible, but um, usually it's um, psychosomatic uh, because people are beginning things that they believe in and they're being proactive. And there's all sorts of psychological reasons why someone would feel better immediately taking a thing when it doesn't have to do with that thing. So if I suspect that someone um, needs something and that they are feeling much better when they took something, let's say, that seems inferior uh, in formulation, that we make sure that the lab test shows an improvement also, because if someone feels better and their chemistries are still abnormal, then that would go with the psychosomatic part of things. The mind is super powerful, um, and that I couldn't estimate, you know, overestimate the, the importance of the psyche upon healing, but if we can also have healing that's actually done by the things we're doing, rather than auto-suggestions, uh, why not do that? Both would be great as well. And then he had an omega-3 product here. So the, the ratios of the omega-3 fatty acids that he had in his supplement were simply not based on any solid um, research evidence that I'm aware of. So it's important that with any supplement, like omega-3s, that you take an amount of omega-3 that is formulated based upon some research. Now, the bottle might say take one or two of these omega-3 capsules, let's say, per day, but when I put the dosing on a bottle, that dosing is just there so that the minimal effective dose is suggested in terms of the serving size. But a person, you might need more or possibly less of that omega-3 fatty acid, depending on your concerns. Just a larger person physically generally would need more fatty acids than a smaller person. A person who's more physically active would be in the need of more fatty acids than someone who is not as physically active. If the individual has seizures or the person has memory issues or something neurologic, all of that's nervous system and the brain needs a lot of omega-3 fatty acids, then their doses would be substantially greater. I take a large amount of omega-3s each day due to my health history of multiple sclerosis. So, um, and then because I am very active, I take higher amounts yet again. And then of course, I compare my labs to the amounts I'm taking. I need to see benefits in real life and I also need to see changes in the laboratory that show that I've targeted the right thing and it's working. So the best ratios, I would say, of omega-3 um, products, so omega-3 fatty acid is contain, it contains two other sort of subclasses of omega-3s. So they're called EPA and DHA, right? Most people do know that omega-3 fatty acids are um, composed of EPA and DHA. The EPA is eicosanopentaenoic acid. The DHA is docosanohexanoic acid. The ratio, the amounts of initial basic dosing of EPA to DHA is the following. For EPA, you want about 960 milligrams based on the research. And DHA, you want about 640 in two capsules. Then that's the starting place. And then from that point, 
you go up or down depending on your needs. And of course, with all the nutrition and even foods, your needs will change over time. I mean, just look at how you've aged um, over the course of your life. Isn't it obvious that our needs change just like we age over time, substantially change? That may not be fun to keep up with all these changes, but if you're committed to maximizing your health potential, then you need to be your own blood detective. That doesn't mean you can't work with anyone, but it does mean you need to start to build or reinforce the current knowledge uh, that you have now. I want to give you at least one more nutritional example or nutrient example before I talk about other concepts about um, the need for vitamins and other types of nutritional supplements, if at all. And that has to do with turmeric. Many of you already know that turmeric is an extremely important herb that can help impact a variety of health issues found in human beings. There is not a disease that I can think of that could not possibly benefit from turmeric. Turmeric downregulates, meaning it reduces the production or effects in the body of various inflammatory mediators. Inflammatory mediators are compounds that float in the body, that are produced in the body in response to any number of triggers, you know, toxic triggers, hormonal triggers, aging triggers, autoimmune triggers, you name it. Lots of triggers, stress, emotional, physical, electromagnetic. And it also um, helps to keep the blood thin, which is important uh, because with aging and disease, there is an increase in thickness of blood called viscosity. And if you have an increased viscosity of blood, it's thicker. So the thick blood doesn't really permeate as well compared to a more liquid blood high in turmeric into a cell. So if a person is on blood thinners, they should not be taking turmeric unless they are under the care of a trained health professional. Uh, I must say that most nutritionists are not trained in drug nutritional interactions, both positive and negative ones. In other words, how you can combine nutrients with medications so everything works well together, you're cutting down side effects, you'll be on the meds less time, all good stuff. But there are also negative impacts of certain supplements with, with countless number of medications. I couldn't even hope to get through on this show, although that probably should be a, a topic of, a, of another show. So um, dietitians, and I am a dietitian, so I can tell you this firsthand, we're not taught any pharmacology. I learned pharmacology in medical school. I learned more pharmacology in chiropractic school. And I'm completing my certification in acupuncture now, and there's no training in, in it there either. Um, it's important, at least I feel, to have knowledge in drug-nutrient interactions because they can be very seriously wrong or very positively correct. Now back to turmeric. This gentleman's turmeric was, I would say, nearly a complete waste because when you have turmeric that is basically alone in the product, 95% of that will be um, evacuated from the body uh, in the urine. And that's not what you want. You want it to stay in the body. But if you combine uh, turmeric with black pepper fruit, which many of you probably know, is an absorb absorptive agent. It's used also in the pharmaceutical industry to enhance drug absorption and delivery. So black pepper fruit extract, you need at least 20 milligrams of it. There's a registered form of it, which I use in my product, uh, Turmeric Supreme, which is called Biopterine. That's B-I-O-P-E-R-I-N-E. Biopterine is the registered form of black pepper fruit. You want 20 milligrams per every 250 milligrams of the uh, curcuma longa rhizome extract, which contains about 20% curcuminoids. This ratio you can read more about, again, if you go to blooddetective.com and you look up Turmeric Supreme. And again, unlike many other websites, I give you the medical references on these nutrients and so that some of the information that went into 
formulating these different products that I have. In the remaining time that we have left, I want to, well, acknowledge that it is difficult to get this information right. And how do you know it's right? Ultimately, you have to trust, but not blind trust. So I had a patient, and this is a common occurrence, that said to me, you know, Dr. Wald, I know you're a blood detective, I know you wrote these books, I know you lecture, I know you've been, you've had very uh, high levels of education and all these things, you, you know, you, you fulfill on that, but I hope I'm not offending you by asking you to provide me with a study on why you suggested that I take uh, this joint formula. And I thanked them for asking the question, I said, and this is not, and I mean it. And I let them know that what you just did was exactly what you, you're supposed to do. You politely and with reasonable respect make a request of a healthcare provider to provide you something that's relative to your treatment that is completely reasonable. Sometimes people do that, and then I go back to the literature to produce these articles for them. I actually give them abstracts, which are the summaries of the articles. In order to get the full articles, generally you have to pay for them, and they're very technical, and they're not really needed. Uh, at, at this level because the abstracts give you the summary of the study and uh, an introduction to that and also the conclusions of the study and that's, that's really what you want to see. And I often learn new things when I do that because I come across dozens upon dozens of articles and even with my level of study and uh, commitment to natural field, uh, the only way that you keep on top of your game uh, and be the best as you can be, in my opinion, is to can constantly do research and uh, to figure things out for people and to make sure that you are fixing the chemistry along with fixing their symptoms so you know that you're getting someplace. But I bring this up to you because let's say you want to get some information, education on supplements in general. So if you Google that, you know, what supplements are good to take or something like that, it's very likely that you're going to come up with WebMD as one example of a seemingly reputable source of information. So I'm going to read you or, or uh, paraphrase a couple of statements when I went to WebMD under the title, Pick the Right Vitamins and Supplements for You. So they're saying here, and you'll forgive me as I'm looking at these papers, they'll say, should you take, you know, nutrients? And they're saying, you know, I get some concern when I see people take uh, one of uh, those supplements, they named a bunch of supplements, uh, just because they've read somewhere that the supplement is helpful. So I do agree with that. What's helpful for one person may not only be not helpful for another, but could be harmful. Um, but I, they don't tell you that. They make it sound like there may not be any evidence as you continue to read. Then they will say, uh, food is the best way to get your vitamins and minerals, but it is sometimes hard to eat enough veggies, fruits, whole grains, and other healthy options. A multivitamin may be a safe way to boost your nutrients. Okay, for years and years, uh, we're talking decades, the American Medical Association was vehemently against the use of supplements so badly that they were on a crusade to, to produce negative press on vitamins. Then one day out of the blue, I believe it was in the New England Journal of Medicine. It might have been the Lancet. Either one of these are well-respected um, peer-reviewed journals. They had a study on how a multivitamin, if taken by a man and woman, seemingly increases lifespan by several years, but not the same number of years in men and women. And then they had, I remember, it was 102 references. I remember that, even though this was over 10 years ago, simply because they went from saying there was no evidence to here they are supporting their own statement, finally, for whatever reasons, uh, that there is all this evidence. So it's not that a multivitamin may help a person, it almost always will. But multivitamins, just like the one that patient I mentioned provided me, were in almost all the inactive forms of nutrients in it. So that would be a no-no. We certainly wouldn't want anyone taking that. We want to take a multivitamin uh, that may contain iron if the person's anemic and has only activated forms of uh, nutritional supplements. Sometimes certain nutritional compounds are not available in activated form, but most are. So I just wanted to clarify that one point. And yes, they say here, food is the best way to get your vitamins and minerals. Well, is it? Um, no, it isn't. And I'll tell you why. 
Maybe it used to be. I don't know. I can't really speak for that. I would say there's no evidence to suggest that at all. All we know is that um, from a theoretical perspective, and you might even say from a, a common sense perspective, that yes, foods would naturally be your best source of nutrition. Uh, they are a source of nutrition. But are they the best source of nutrition for you, given your increased needs for various nutritional supplements? Uh, I would say then no. Uh, but like I said, when I open the show, that some of us will need supplements and some of us won't, but almost always, everyone could benefit from one or more nutritional supplements simply because we were not eating perfectly. And even if we did eat perfectly for our nutritional needs that sometimes are way beyond what food can give us, we're just gonna be left deficient. So I would take, um, uh, I, would, I would question this statement that food is your best way to get your vitamins and minerals. Food is your best way to get your vitamins and minerals if you're perfectly healthy and you live in a vacuum. That means you live in a plastic bubble where there's no stress upon you and uh, some other artificial uh, means of stabilizing you. It's just, it's just not, not true. I'll give you a quick example, uh, vitamin C. So the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C is between 60 and 80 milligrams. Research shows that the average person, whatever that is, right, should store 2,500 milligrams in the body. And that 2,500 milligrams is in the body, and the body loses about 60 to 80 milligrams a day in this artificial vacuum environment in the scientific laboratory. Okay, so 2,500 milligrams in the body, the body's using due to its stress to stay alive, 60 to 80 milligrams a day. So if you took the 60 to 80 milligrams a day in, let's say, your average glass of orange juice, which is about 60 to 80 milligrams, that somehow makes you even. No loss. You're maintaining a 2,500. The first thing wrong with that, which is the best science that, that, that uh, the FDA can give us, is that um, we don't live in a vacuum. None of us stores exactly 2,500 milligrams per day. Some, I would suspect, far less. Others, I would suspect, far more. So the recommended daily allowance is based on the loss or the use of nutrition per day of vitamin C at 60 to 80 is based on a, on a false fallacy, a fantasy of what it is we're supposed to be storing. And this way of dealing with nutrition and our nutritional needs is permeated the recommended daily allowances and the recommended daily values to be practically useless, but still physicians are taught in school that you want your patients to, to take the recommended daily allowances and no more. And they don't question it and they don't understand why. So again, even when you think you know something, you may not. Then, one last and final concept for today. As I'm reading the WebMD site, it says, do you need a supplement? And let me read this to you. Most healthy people don't need one, period. Okay, what is healthy? Almost all of us have some, one or more hidden diseases or issues or chronic inflammation happening. So um, healthy, if healthy is, is defined by uh, lack of symptoms, well, then that's already a false fallacy because lack of symptoms are not necessarily equal health. But even if it were true that somehow you were healthy in this, in this imaginary Disney type of health state, um, if you continue to breathe and you're active and you're exposed to toxins and you have genetics or you're taking meds or what have you, you have other issues, um, you do need to take nutritional supplements if you cannot somehow manipulate your diet. If you tried to take in 2,500 milligrams a day of vitamin C in your foods, you'd become obese just trying. So that can't even happen. And finally, on WebMD it says, what about if you're older than 50? Your body starts to absorb less of vitamin D and B12 as you get older. As you reach middle age, you may need to take extra steps to get enough. They say extra steps, but they don't outright say take a vitamin. And when I say vitamin, I mean vitamin, mineral, phytonutrients, everything under that, that handle. And yes, it's true, as I've said during the show, if you're over 50, you have decreased absorption and increased disease risk and all of that, so you'll need more. But lots of us are not aging properly that are even much younger than that. So people need what they need for their needs. So in summary, everyone needs nutritional supplements. I believe almost everyone should be on a multivitamin and turmeric and a probiotic and a joint formula, men on a prostate formula. Um, 
women on estrogen uh, balancing um, and hormonal balancing formulations and whatever else you need for your needs based upon what your labs show, what your health history shows, and what your health goals are. I want to thank you all for listening to the show today. I had fun. I hope you did. This is Dr. Michael Wald. You can reach me by emailing me at info at blooddetective.com. You can look at the website and listen to other radio shows or other content by searching the search bar on the homepage at drmichaelwald.com. And you could call me for a conversation either as a patient uh, over Zoom or over the phone or in person at 914-552-1442. Take care, everybody. See you soon.